Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Now, the Chorus Radio Network presents The Roy Green Show with Roy Green, keeping you informed and entertained. Now, here's Roy. The uh, John Gameshi trial begins on uh, Monday, and the National Post headline was Women Will Be Watching the Wider Relevance of John Gameshi's Sexual Assault Trial. Let's talk about that. And the, uh, the Post also then writes, People will be looking for more than a verdict. They'll want a message, as in the James Forsillo case. Jeff Manishin is a former Crown attorney, now criminal lawyer and partner at Ross and McBride in Hamilton. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Roy. Barbara Kay, National Post columnist, and her columns on the issues of interaction between men and women have been, fair to say, controversial, Barb? I guess so. Not controversial to me, but I guess to other people. Good to talk to you again. <laughs> Thank you. Same here. Now, let's start with this. And, Jeff, let me start with a, um, with a legal question. The John Kameshi case involves several complainants. Um, Bill Cosby's did as well. I know it's two different justice systems, Canada and the United States, but how does the system work? How does justice work when there are several people involved in the complaint? They're actually, uh, I think, comparable. Um, And here's how, Roy. Normally, the prosecution is not allowed to introduce evidence of specific acts of bad character in relation to the accused for the purpose of showing that by his disposition or his nature, he's more likely to have committed the offense that's alleged. But on the other hand, if you can show a pattern of behavior that has some unique characteristics, some particular similarities, sometimes you see even phrase striking similarities, under circumstances where the various complainants didn't get together, there's no reasonable potential they collaborated together in describing what they did, then the evidence of the various complainants could possibly be admissible. Or if you had multiple charges, they could be included on the same indictment. And a a jury could consider or a judge could consider if we're satisfied he did this, act number one, that may add to the, the issue of proof that he did act number two with complainant number two. It's characterized as, it's called similar act or similar fact evidence, and it has been considered closely. A court has to decide, is the probative value so substantial, in other words, what it tends to show so meaningful that it outweighs the fact that a a jury would be hearing that there are allegations by various complainants that could potentially risk a fair trial. Barb, when it comes to the issue of sexual harassment, you've written about that a great deal, Mm -hmm. and it's talked about a great deal. And, and the National Post's column, uh, the headline of the column is, people are going to be looking for more than a verdict, they'll want a message. Just address the issue of sexual harassment from your research and your point of view and the columns you've written, because this is going to be central to the discussion that's going to be taking, taking place at dinner tables across this country as the Gomeshi trial moves forward. Uh, yes, I think this, uh, people are looking for a message, and uh, I, I would say that they have a right, uh, given the given the, ten, the tenor of the of the case, like at all the um, the kinds of of uh, repeated occur, the, the pattern that does emerge at least uh, empirically from what we've heard from the witnesses, and given also uh, the, the that the witnesses seem to be very credible people. You know, they 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 don't seem to be 
coming forward for any gain for themselves or anything else. They're coming forward to speak the truth. I think people have already made up their minds, really. Uh, and if it's anything less than a guilty verdict, I think you'll see quite an explosion of opinion across the country. No, we can only, um, we, we can't assume guilt or innocence. No, you can't assume it intellectually, but there's no question. And legally. No, no, or legally, or, or in any way that, you know, however, people emotionally, if you want to Always. say, or uh, your own common sense tells you yeah. that what is likely, and, it all, and, and really the implications of uh, him getting off legally for something that people in their hearts believe uh, that he did would certainly send a message that there's no such thing as an airtight case unless somebody's actually standing there watching you get assaulted. Yeah, I'm going to use Gomeshi uh, as a metaphor for what we're talking about. Interesting that Barb, Jeff says that people make up their minds. And I really believe in, in the world we live in now, if a charge is laid against anyone, there's a certain percentage of the population, maybe a majority, who decide that the person must be guilty because a charge has been laid. There's another percentage of the population that takes the contrarian point of view Prove it to me. And they stay that way until the very end. How difficult is it to find a jury in the age of social media that has not absorbed, that has not made up its collective mind, perhaps, between the time that a case goes public and the time the charges are laid and the time the jury actually starts to hear the case? How difficult is it to find a jury that we able to be able to say to you, Mr. Manishin, no, I haven't made up my mind? Well, I think, uh, Roy, that in relation to a case such as the Bill Cosby case, it may be very difficult. John Gomeshi may be more possible, but something we need to keep in mind here, Marie Hannon, who is his very, very skilled and capable defense lawyer, isn't going with the jury. This is a trial before a judge. She is doing this trial at the Ontario Court of Justice level, as far as I understand it. And one of the reasons she may well have chosen that mode of trial is because of a concern over how a jury might be able to view the evidence or might have a predisposition. And doesn't that speak to the justice system of this country perhaps going forward as to how we're going to have to um, approach the issue of jury trials? Well, we, we have cases where matters have received substantial publicity, and you can inquire of the jurors beforehand if the judge will permit this to confirm that each individual potential juror, you want to find out have they or haven't they heard anything about the case, but more significantly, notwithstanding anything they've read or heard, do they say that they could still decide the case fairly, impartially, and based only on the evidence? If they felt they couldn't, then they, that would be considered to be challenged for cause, and the challenge would have been made out, the cause being they can't be impartial, they can't be indifferent. But there are loads of cases where that process goes through. Uh, prospective jurors indicate those who can't be impartial, they're out. Those who feel they can, can potentially be on. Tell me quickly, but has it changed? On a case like this one, has it, has it changed since social media has become so prevalent? Has the job of the lawyer, the defense lawyer, changed um, as far as deciding how to proceed because, specifically and precisely because, of social media involvement? I think it would be a fair statement, Roy, because um, the potential for prospective jurors to be influenced beyond simply what they might see on TV, read in the newspaper, or blessedly hear on the radio is higher with social media. We can see uh, when you have postings that seem to go viral that there is a real potential. And in fact, I can go further. The, the concept of saying, well, we want this trial to send a message. I have to tell you that says to me, because we want them to be convicted and punished, and that will send the message you can't do this. 
You know what message I'd like to be able to say? The message I think the case should turn out to be is we have a, message, we have a justice system in which presumption of innocence applies and guilt, once established, if established beyond a reasonable doubt, the system works that way. If it's not established beyond a reasonable doubt, the system works that way. That's the message I'd like to see, okay. one of justice. Let me take a break. Then we come back, I want to ask Barb this question. The National Post headline is, Women will be watching the wider relevance of John Gameshi's sexual assault trial. No question women will be watching, but I suspect men will also be watching very carefully and paying attention very carefully. We'll come back with Jeff Madison, Barbara Kay, on The Green Show after this. Award-winning broadcaster Roy Green is keeping you company on your weekend. This is The Roy Green Show across the Chorus Radio Network. You know, last weekend we talked a great deal about the Energy East pipeline and how the mayor of Montreal, Denis Coderre, and uh, other mayors on the island of Montreal have decided that they're going to oppose the construction of Energy East in Quebec because they don't think it's environmentally safe enough and the economic return isn't great enough. Well, I had an opportunity to yesterday speak with Rana Ambrose, the federal Conservative Party leader, interim, about this whole issue, and Rana Ambrose approached the question from the national unity perspective. So we're going to talk about that some more in the next hour, because I think Denny Kader is winning. I think Denny Kader and the mayors in the Montreal area are winning so far. Prime Minister is kind of on the fence. It's his responsibility to make decisions, but he wants to be the referee. I think Kader is winning. And by the way, we've been trying to persuade the mayor on the air, uh, on their City of Montreal website, on Twitter, to appear on the show. The closest I've come is that Denny Kader now follows me on Twitter. Mr. Mayor, call the show. Call the show. Talk to Canadians. Give us your perspective. I have questions for the mayor. If he's not on in the next hour, I'll ask the questions anyway. John Gameshi's trial starts on Monday. Barbara Kay from the National Post. Jeff Manager and former Crown Attorney, criminal lawyer, partner at Russell McBride in Hamilton. So, Barb, the, the headline in the Post is, in that story that I mentioned, Women will be watching the wider relevance of John Gameshi's sexual assault trial. Very relevant, clearly important. I think men will be watching as well. What's the wrong message that women might receive? And I'll ask you from this perspective. I spoke with a criminal lawyer maybe a year or so ago in Toronto. And he had given advice to a friend who said she'd been sexually assaulted um, to not complain to police because when it went to trial, there would be a he said, she said situation and she could find herself in an unpleasant reality. And, and apparently he said to me, that's some of the default advice that's given by some lawyers to women. He thought about it, thought about his daughter growing up and maybe facing that situation, called his friend back and said, let's go for the charge. Pick up on that, please, Barb. Well, the problem with sexual assault uh, is that the goalposts, in a way, keep shifting. Mm. Uh, the idea of consent uh, is very hard to uh, get your head around sometimes when it's a question of he said, she said, or interpreting consent. Uh, no used to mean no. Uh, that was the old uh, paradigm. Now it's only yes uh, is satisfactory. 
and a great deal of sexual relations is about flirtation, seduction, uh, and it's very rare that, or up until recently, that, that women felt that, or men felt that they had to get a yes, or that women felt they had to give a yes, because the situation itself, uh, body language, cues, uh, trust between individuals, all that uh, seemed to be enough, and no uh, seemed to be the obvious line where consent was not being given. And that's what makes sense to me. I, I, I am very leery of this yes means yes idea uh, because I don't think it covers uh, human relations adequately. So and the borders I, were defined, under, understood to be defined, and are no longer. Yeah, I think they're shifting. I think there's, um, uh, you know, you can't question people on their, uh, women on their past um, sexual history. That's supposedly not allowed, although from this Post article, I'm reading that apparently uh, questions about past history do get in and objections are not made, um, how much people drink, how much. And, and so it goes to the question of what a juror, say, or the average person may uh, regard as moral behavior or as uh, commonsensical behavior. <clears throat> and you have, uh, on campus, you have the opposite. Instead of Instead of uh, women being uh, uh, their word not being taken, you have sometimes their word being taken all too frequently when there's absolutely no uh, no evidence whatsoever, and young men's lives being ruined, and you have young men suing mm-hmm. universities mm-hmm. because the administrations, which are not criminal courts, um, have changed reasonable doubt to preponderance of the evidence which means, you know, if you're 51% sure instead of 95% sure. So it can err on both sides. And I'm not saying that men don't get off legally sometimes because uh, it's very muddied, uh, who, whether he thought he had consent or didn't, um, and it is a he said, she said. This is one of the hardest er- areas to, to uh, judge because everything takes place in private. Yeah. Uh, so what are you going to do? Yeah. What are you, Jeff? What are you going to do? And, and and what about the court question? What about lawyers who are faced by, uh, you know, a client, a woman who says I was sexually assaulted, I want to proceed. And and do lawyers say because it turn could turn into a he said she said reality? Advise clients not to go forward. Well, I know that it does happen that Crown attorneys will talk with complainants who have reported a sexual assault and the charge has been initiated to have to sit down and say, look, first of all, the burden is on us to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that it happened. And if the court is at the end of the day left in a reasonable doubt on the defense of consent, we will lose. We have to basically we have to prove non-consent. And if the, now, if the accused wants to say, well, I, I had an honest but mistaken belief that you were consenting, that she was consenting, well, the accused needs to have made some reasonable inquiries to be able to determine whether she was or wasn't. So on the issue of an honest but mistaken belief in consent, that defense has been narrowed. But certainly there can be challenges to credibility and to reliability of the version of events that the complainant is giving. An accused certainly has the right to be able to give his evidence, and it becomes difficult for a crown to cross-examine him. The defense doesn't have to show why she is saying the story that she is. And by the way, when I say she, we have men who can complain of sexual assaults as well. Um, But it is a challenging process. Issues of sexual history, you can't ask those questions for the sole purpose of showing that because of that history, she was more likely to have consented this time or is less worthy of belief. But there may be other reasons 
under which sexual history may be the subject of cross-examination. What Barbara's identified is the whole area of consent is a very challenging one each way, and you have a risk of wrongful convictions as much as you do wrongful acquittals. All right. Now, in the minute and a half we have left, Barb, how does this case, without judging Gomeshi, how does this case best serve the issue and serve Canadians and women who are watching, and how does it fail? Well, I, I think that uh, it's not only about sexual assault, uh, or per se. It's not about the only about the women that came forward to accuse him, because the issue is also one of uh, power in authority and how... Uh, uh, it, in this case, a man, uh, uses his position of fame, of celebrity, and of also feeling entitled because he is a star and because he is uh, indispensable to a large corporation. We know This we know for sure. We don't need to figure out legally, because this is admitted behavior, uh, 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 that he did harass his female staff, and again and again and again. Um, so people people want to see that kind of Stuff. That's not sexual assault, but it is harassment. Uh, so he represents a far greater, he's, he's more than the sum of his parts, in other words, in terms of the issues um, on the table about uh, women, men, and sexual harassment. All right, Jeff? I, I think another way to phrase it is that even people in position of significant public authority or public influence aren't above the law. And if, in fact, he had committed these acts and had gotten away with them for a number of years, and it took women the strength of character to come forward and say it and put it before a court, and a judge decides that it's been proven beyond a reasonable doubt. That's, there's, a, there's an accountability component that has the capacity to be significant for everyone in society. I'm just, as I reiterate again, it's, I just emphasize it's important to give them the benefit of the presumption of innocence. Let's hear all the evidence, not simply what we've read in the, ma- in the magazines or heard on TV, as well as his version of events, and let a judge decide it. That's how it's going to play out. I, I, that's absolutely going to be the case, and it is going to be the, the subject of discussion right across this country. Barbara Kay, National Post. Thank you, Barb. Oh, thank you for having me. Jeff Manishin, partner at Rawson McBride in Hamilton, Ontario. Thanks, Jeff. Pleasure as always, Roy. Nice to chat with you, Barb. Hey, same here, Jeff. When we come back, sexual harassment in the workplace. Where is the line? What constitutes behavior that requires discipline or termination by an employer? CBC was widely accused of the hear-nothing, see-nothing, say-nothing approach to Gomeshi's reputation toward female co-workers. We'll be talking with Lior Samfiro, employment law specialist at Samfiro Tamarkin LLP in Toronto. Stay with us. as the Roy Green Show at the Chorus Radio Network.